was talk last week about using uh, my greatest fear as kind of an assignment we gave everybody to see if they could use uh, my greatest fear. And, and what we're talking about when you say, we say my greatest fear is that it kind of leads lead you to an honest discussion about how things are really going on your call as opposed to kind of imagining how things are going, right? Like let's face it, salespeople, we have quite an imagination, don't we? That we, we kind of think things are going good or we fool ourselves, kind of in a state of self-delusion or we kind of think things are kind of going good, and the truth is they're not going good at all. They're, they're, you know, we, we think they're we think they're, we think they're heading the right direction because we, we we say things like, "Hey, I think we almost got this one," or "This one looks really good. I, I'll bet I get this one." And later on, you find out that somebody else comes in and uh, and takes the job right from you, right? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so we want to try and get out get out of that that state of self delusion. I think my greatest fear, using the statement, my greatest fear. Kind of helps you break through that, doesn't it? I mean, Rick, have you have you done anything with that all this week? I, it was your assignment too. Did you have any instances where you uh, used my greatest fear? Yeah, I, I, a couple. I actually, I used it tonight. Uh, I had a sales call at six o'clock. I went to, and um, actually, it was a boiler uh, call. I had been there uh, a week ago, and he was going to make, uh, ready to make a decision today when I went back there, and I had shown him uh, uh, different premium options from deluxe options to standard options on different boilers and it works out that my my bottom boiler wasn't far away from everybody else's but my second boiler up was five thousand dollars more and uh he was um quite uh you know he was stuck between spending the extra five thousand dollars and i pulled out the old greatest fear you know my and my my greatest fear was I said to them, you know what my greatest fear is? My greatest fear is that you're going to go with the with the lower end boiler and you're going to continue to get these high gas bills in the beginning and then you're going to be sorry later on that you didn't invest in something better. Hmm, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> what, did he, what did he say to that one? He said, yeah. He says, that's exactly what I'm thinking. You know, but uh, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's good to hear you say it because that's that's really the point. You know, I don't want to buy cheap. Actually, he says I wanted to buy the twenty thousand dollar one, but my wife's talking. His wife was sitting right there talking him out of it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so we so we agreed on the one that was five thousand dollars more than anybody else's. So everybody else was what, what, what was everybody else's price that you said? You said? They, they were believe it or not. I had my low one was seventy eight hundred. If it was just a just a, a boiler a gas fire boiler change out, uh-huh. and there was, there was a guy at seventy five hundred. A guy at seven thousand, and that's all I could find out from each. Hey, maybe guy maybe we're having an impact out there, Rick. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. Maybe by spreading the word about what what's possible, people are kind of looking at yeah. it and saying, uh, uh, he, "I wouldn't take credit for all that." But no, it, but another thing too is, then he was a guy who said it was so cheap he just discounted them altogether. You know, he thought that seven thousand was cheap. Well, no, he had one that was a lot lower than that. He didn't tell me what it was. He just said it was really, really cheap. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The one that was really cheap, probably thirty-five hundred or something. Yeah, yeah. So. But the thing interesting was is I I showed him the boiler with the Ultra Reset Control, the Vivian boiler, uh, and um, it, and with, you know with the Vitronic, all that type of thing. That was five thousand dollars more, and I went all the way up to the Vita Dens, which is a gas condensing boiler with the best warranties, and he ended up spending five thousand dollars more than his next closest estimate. Wow. Did he did he say why he did that as opposed? Yeah, to... it was totally. He was like, I don't want that. I you know uh, after I told him what my greatest fear was. He said, "You know that, that that that's my greatest fear too. That I, I, you know, I'm going to be in this house for another 20 years probably. And my greatest fear is that I'm going to try to be, you know, I think he said penny wise and pound foolish is I think what he used. Hey Rick. Yeah. Hey, I mean to spend five thousand dollars more. Most customers, if they're pretty smart, say, Hey, listen, how can I make back my five thousand dollars? Mm-hmm. So how how do you position it to say, Hey, listen, you know, some you'll make back your money that you're investing oh, he, now. He he will. I mean, I I have some stuff I show him about." How with the outdoor reset control and the gas modulating valve, that you know that it's only on a on a on a warmer day it's going to have a, a low a lower water temperature going to the you know to the radiant. Um, I you know it's definitely there's definitely a payback for him to spend the money. It's definitely a premium product. Yeah. You know I I don't what what what, what part of the country are you in? Northeast as well. Northeast. Okay. Yeah. Whereabouts? Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts. All right. Yeah. So you know up here. You can, you know, these and boilers could definitely have the, the payback on them if you do a little bit of homework and show them, you know. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Isn't it really? I mean, there there's a logical case, which is this, which is what uh, Gene is saying. But you know, what's logical? You could save money or make that five thousand dollar payback. Right. But 
Um, I, don't you think it's more about emotional? It's better off to undersell that payback, isn't it? To say to kind of undersell that payback and not not overpromise it and say, oh yeah, you'll make that five thousand. And say, well, you know what? Uh, you, you, you know, sure, there's going to be a payback, no doubt about it. But let's face it, the reason why you should get this one because it's just about it's the best one. Right. It's yeah. One of, it's one of the best ones. Right. If you could, just, Gene, if you could just like say something like that. It would be more, it'd be more, more valuable because basically you just say something like, you know what, yeah, you're right, there'll be a payback, but the, really the most important thing is this is just a more quality job, right? And that, everybody can understand that, right? And you know, and, and that's why I think I do most. I talk about Viesman's quality, right? You know, you know what I mean, or just it's a more, a more deluxe product. Right. And just people just want things that are better. Right. I, I, Gene, did you hear that? Part Definitely, of that? it's loud and clear. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't oversell the uh, cost. Savings analysis. I think this industry has been way too brainwashed on having to come up with a logical case for people to save money. Uh, the truth is, if that was the case, nobody would ever buy like, like a Munchkin boiler. It right. would never, you'd never sell one because it wouldn't. There's, there's no logical case. You're not going to make the 10% uh, you know savings back. But why would you want the Munchkin? Why is it better? It's just better. It's just a, it's just a more quality. The perception is it's more quality product and. And that's why that's why people want it because it's more high tech or more more modern style. It's smaller. You know, there's a lot logically. Well, how much how much smaller is it though? The footprint is not that much smaller than a normal boiler, right? Right. You know what it is too. I think that's the pipes an, are still in place. And everything. You yeah. Take care of that. You know, Joe. I think that's an excellent point because let's look at it. You know, if you want basic transportation to get to back and forth to work, you can buy something for fifteen thousand bucks, right? How can you ever justify buying a fifty or sixty thousand dollar car? That's beautiful. Yeah, you'd never be able to. Yeah, I mean, and when the last time somebody who's on this call right now bought a car that cost less than fifteen thousand? I don't think. Nobody. No, there's nobody. No, I mean, we, right. You know, because we, we all work too hard and we all deserve better, right? And that, it's really an emotional case that we want to pamper ourselves. It's nothing to do with uh, a logical case that you know I need that I need that one ton pickup with the dual wheels. I really need to get that because logically. Uh, I get that snowstorm, like that big nor'easter that came in, and man, I got to get the uh, one-ton pickup just for that one day of the whole year. <laughs> you know, you could take off. It would be a lot cheaper to stay home from work that day, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. So logically, there's no. If it, if it was logical, no one would ever sell the Cadillac Escalade. No one would ever sell the. Um, you know, because let's face it, Escalade is just a Tahoe with a different label on it, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, different differences that uh, the only, only differences. That the uh, Escalade, if you buy the Yukon, you won't you won't get that Cadillac insignia, right? And that's the emotional thing. You're, you you deserve a Cadillac. You deserve uh, the best thing, right? And that's why people buy those kind of boilers, Gene right. and all the rest of the guys yeah. out there. Uh, they aren't going to make that purchase because of some kind of logical argument you're trying to make. They're going to make it. They're going to make that purchase because they deserve the best. And they deserve the quality one. And Rick, when you you verbally package it, how did you verbally how did you verbally verbally package that one? You called it like a European styling. Yeah, what, exactly. I said I said that the European deluxe boiler. Wow. Yeah, that's what I call it. And then I have the premium, the the European premium boiler. You know. I've even heard you say like, this one's made in Germany, where they they use boilers like this is like a, uh, you know, they they take the boiler seriously in Germany. You know. And exactly, and that's what I. And you know what? I spend more time on that. You know what I tell them? I don't know if you want me to go into this show, but I, I use this all the time. Uh, I tell them, you know, uh, I heard this thing that says uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And if we were in the same position that the Germans were in, as far as natural resources and how much it costs to throw things away and the amount of wet heat they do compared to us, then we would make a better boiler. But we don't need to because we're not in their situation. So, so the Europeans are way ahead of us when it comes to wet-based heat, and they make a more premium product. You know, I pretty much out of necessity. Right. And then you set that in their head, and now, oh, it's premium. Oh, I, that's that's what I want. This one's this one's good. It's like a Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, that's what I'll do. I'll tell them this is the premium. It's a Rolls Royce. This one here is more like a Mercedes Benz. You know, and then I got the American one down here. That's 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 a Ford. So when the customer was kind of hemming and hawing between going to the cheapest one and going to something better. That's when you kind of interject. You know my greatest fear is you're going to go to that cheap one, right? And then you're going to be, you're going to regret it because your gas bills aren't going to be any lower. And and it's not going to last as long, and you're going to end up having a lot of repair. You know we'll, more we'll repairs. We'll be doing this job. We're doing this job over again someday. Right? Would you like someday. to do it once? Or would you like to get it over with? You know. That's good. Anybody else use that one? Anybody else out there uh, have any stories they want to share? I got somebody else who used it the other day too. You can we can talk about that. But 
That's a quick anything? question for him. Was that a, was that a Vitola by Ferrell that you sold with a chassis? No, before? no, I didn't. What I that that was my it was a gas system. So what I did was on the very top option it was a Vito Dens, and then the next and then I did that with ten year, five year, and then standard warranties, and then I did the uh, Vito Gas one hundred with the Vitronic control. Okay. Okay. And you then I and then I we're gonna go over that we're gonna go over that tonight is packaging yeah. tonight. And then I went to Vito Gas fifty. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about packaging tonight because that's a really uh, probably one of the things that you know if I could say there's one thing that could help you make enough money to come to one of my seminars mm-hmm. uh, would be that part of it like automatically you'd make enough money just to learn how to package things right and how to present that package. Uh, right. If, if you if you did nothing else but that you would you you'd make enough money more to uh, be able to afford to come to any kind of thing I do, you know, because that, that's that's part of what I try and do with these with this kind of class, is help you guys out there, you know, get some success at no cost, so you mm-hmm. kind of feel compelled to go to something that's going to even make it more successful than that. Makes sure. sense. Sure. I mean, I've got a packaging product that I currently use, but it's not quite as elaborate with maintenance built in like you're currently offering. So. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different. Um, you know, things that have kind of prepackaged stuff. And, of course, the thing that we're doing is definitely more of a custom fit for exactly what uh, what people have to offer. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that right now. I think we'll just move move into that. So, and if, if, unless anybody else has a greatest fear of story they want to share real quick from last week. Anybody else do a greatest you know, I, fear? I, I actually used, um, two, I used two of them on the same call. Uh-huh. What did you do? Uh, well, he when I originally went there, he told me that he wanted to keep his uh, gas-fired water heater because it was only six years old. So uh, I had noticed that he just refinished his whole basement, uh, nice finished basement, and I told him, you know what my greatest fear is? My greatest fear is that you spent all this money on this beautiful basement, and you did a great job in this basement. It looks great. You know what? If I lived here, I'd never leave the basement. <laughs> you get that nice flat-screen TV and everything down here. It's beautiful. I hate to see that water heater just let go and flood this whole basement and ruin all this nice work that you did. <laughs> and so, guess what we're buying now? Huh? Right. So I sold them a, a, a storage tank as well. Oh wow, great! So you wound up with a, a system. What, what was that system? What, what did that system go for? I went for fifteen grand. Fifteen grand. Well, and the next closest competitor was where? Seventy uh, seventy five hundred. Wow, that's not too bad. So I guess it, I guess it kind of defeats that myth again that uh, the cheapest guy always wins, or somebody who's cheaper wins, right? Right. Because uh, that is, that is. Are you more? Comp- I mean, when I first met you, Rick, you thought you thought that was kind of crazy when I said that that. The cheapest job doesn't win. Yeah, yeah. I always thought I, I well, it was until I started to do it your way that I started to realize that the most expensive job was winning. That I realized. And the customer, when they told when they told you you didn't get the job, they just told you that you were too much money, right? They had, because they, they had nothing else they could tell you. And the, you know how I found that out was I asked the customer. Uh, so what are you going to tell the other guy? He says, "Well, I'm going to tell him he was too expensive." Even though you were ten thousand dollars more, actually yeah. in that case, I think you told me that story. You were like fifteen thousand dollars more, yeah, right? I was like, I was like five times more expensive than he was, you know. And you so, said, what are you, you going to tell the guy who's only five thousand for this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what happened. And he's going to say, he said, "Well, I'm going to tell him he's too much money." Yeah. Because what else can you tell somebody that I spent twenty thousand dollars more for somebody else? Yeah, he, just, he didn't. <laughs> guy didn't have the heart. I said, "Well, you're probably doing him a favor." <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny how how misleading that is? And then there's, there's somebody out there who's who's doing it for five thousand dollars, going, "God damn, how much lower I got to be to get this job?" You know? <laughs> uh, he's out there kicking himself in the ass right now. You know, I can't laugh too hard because I wonder how many times I said that. Right? <laughs> I probably said that myself a hundred times. Yeah, because what can the because what else could the customer tell the guy? You could, right. he's, he's got no, there's no choice. You couldn't, uh, you can't be that honest. Because what you're really saying when you say that is, if you said that I spent twenty thousand dollars more with somebody else, what you're really saying is that you're a bad salesman. Right, and then like I could do that. I, I bought from a better salesman. Right, it's really worth the case. And I, I tell you what, the truth is, uh, the br- the brutal honest truth is that when somebody does, when you do lose a job, odds are you lost it to a better salesperson. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really the truth. It's not 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 what you think it is. Don't. You know, you gotta stop lying to yourself and saying that it's uh, justifying it with pricing and gouging and things like that. That, or uh, people going too low and dropping their drawers. Uh, the truth is that uh, after asking several hundred customers why they go with the certain thing they go with, um, and believe me, I was the kind of guy back in the old days. I, I was always trying to find a way to make it cheaper myself, and I learned that lesson probably only like last. I'd say the last six years I've been selling the right way. In the first 40 years, I didn't sell the right way. So I can remember feeling all the time the company's overhead was too high. I couldn't get the I couldn't get the right price for, you know, the company uh, was just asking me to try to get too much for it. Yeah. Now I'm getting double and triple what I was getting before. Now I will tell you this though, 
when your price is just a little bit higher and you're doing the same thing, that's where people will ask you for a discount. That's where they're going to say, you'll bring the price down to 40. If you're at 5,300, and they'll say, bring it down to 4,800. I'll give you the job because you're only 500 bucks more, but you're doing the same thing. Right. The key is you got to be got to be like 10,000 or 20,000 more and doing something completely different. That's why they. That's why it, uh, the differentiation is what uh, makes a difference, isn't it, Rick? Exactly. I think let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about packaging. Uh, I, I do want to share a story, though. Uh, yesterday from the coaching session we had with the regular uh, guys from Total Immersion that told me a greatest fear story. It was pretty good. On uh, a guy who had a, a guy from Dallas, Texas, who was on a call with a, uh, a, a tune-up, and he had the thing saying that he basically said, my greatest fear is that you had me out here just to do a tune-up, and if I find something, you're probably not going to hear about it. Is that correct? And the customer's like, well, no, of course I want to hear about it. Definitely, if something's wrong, let me know. Okay, then that's what I'll do. Just that little thing gave him the freedom to go ahead and present and make a $7,000 sale. You know, the fact that he found out that he had several repairs with the unit on a tune-up and took it from a tune-up to uh, over $7,000 and stuff, and duck renovation and air conditioning stuff and whatnot. So, so that's a good story, huh? That's a great story. Yeah, so, so just the fact that we, so when you guys go on, we're talking to your, your technicians about what to do on a tune-up or how to sell things on a tune-up. One of the <laughs> biggest tips I could tell you to do is to, when you first thing is use my greatest fear. My greatest fear is that you just have me out here to do a tune-up, and if I find something, you're probably not going to want to hear about it. Is that am I kind of I want to confirm that? Is that, is that true? And you're like, no, 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 I want to hear about it. So you get the customer to sell you on hearing about the problem. So the, big, the first sale you make on that kind of a call is just getting people to tell you, just getting permission to tell them about the repair. Make sense? Definitely. Good. Oh, that's my story on that. Let's talk about packaging now. Move into that. How's that sound? That's, that's, packaging is one of the more funner subjects to talk about, I think. Don't you think, Rick? Yeah, absolutely. It's like fun because it's like you're putting together. It's like building a. It's like building a Cadillac or building a Rolls Royce in the showroom or in the, in the factory and then putting it in the showroom, right? Right. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun when you're putting together high-end stuff. Now, let's face it. The way most people build. Uh, options for customers. Let's, what are the typical ways that most contractors do it? I mean, most people say uh, they select a certain product that they have in mind that they want to sell, and then they go ahead and put it out there, and then they offer sub-options. Like, they may offer a boiler. Like, let's say they say they want to sell a Viesman boiler. They might put Viesman out there, right? Like, is that, is that what you used to do, Rick? You may, you may, let's say if you wanted to go with Viesman, you would put that out there, and then you'd offer a bunch of sub-options underneath that? All right, no, what I used to do was offer a, a more standard boiler. Mm-hmm. And then give them an upcharge to go to a Viesman. Mm. So, 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 you, so you go opposite. You would right. uh, you start with the basic one to try and compete in the low end. Right. And then you would say, of course, you want to upgrade it for uh, three thousand more. It would be a Viesman. And if you right. want to go to the zoning, that would be an extra, you know, three thousand there. And if you do this, it's extra two thousand. Actually, you keep keep adding it up till right. Th- the same price is going to occur. The only difference is that you're making the customer build his own price. Exactly. Uh, I've, I've done the same thing. Right. Yeah. So, so that's the that's the anti way of doing it. That, that's that's the way it's never going to work. Yes, I, mean, I would. Well, let me say it worked, but it was it uh, not near as good and a lot more effort. Yeah, you because you, you, you have to sit there and you can sit there for four hours building a package like that, right? Right. Because customers, what if we do that? What if we do this? What if we do that? You're sitting yeah, there back and crazy. forth, yeah. spending hours and hours doing this thing. And uh, whereas, how much is, how much time does a typical presentation take now, Rick, from the top down when you do it that? Fifteen minutes. I, I zoom right through it. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, maybe a half hour. So, so would you say that the presentation that takes like Rick, uh, Rick Algar, who just sold the eighty-eight thousand dollars job on a geothermal heat pump, said the whole thing took about half an hour right. to, make a, to make his presentation. He said before he would have taken definitely, you know, four to six hours, something like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, now, it, now it took a half an hour to make that same presentation and sold the eighty-eight thousand dollars job. That was that would have been a thirty-seven thousand dollars job. You said if you, in the past, if if you, if you had even got it, right? So, so so time is an issue, right? I mean, it does it does make it more. Now, why is time so important during the presentation? Let's talk about that. Time is important during a presentation, isn't it? I mean, right. not just not just your waste of time, but what what, what what's so, what's so important about not taking so much time on a presentation? You don't want to bore the customer. It just bores them. That's right. Bores yeah, you, them the you, lose, you lose people, right? Right. And they, so they only have a certain uh, attention span or mental equity that you have to deal with. Mental equity, that's a good one, right? Yeah, I, I use like that, that. Yeah. Verbal packaging. That that's verbal packaging, man. <laughs> mental equity, I love that one. Yeah. So uh so you got a certain mental equity that you can and if you use up that equity really quick, you probably you probably got about fifteen, twenty minutes of equity, I would say. Right. And after that it's a and real you, And you can extend it another ten, fifteen minutes 
if you do a nice present a show, if you make it more like a show. But um, any more than that, you lost them. Right. Or if you don't, now you could you could you could take too little time to do it the wrong way too. You could sell like one piece of equipment and then try and add on to it, like sell a furnace and then try and offer optional humidifiers or offer optional other things, right? Like that. Right. And why doesn't that work? How come it doesn't work when some you, you sell something somebody low and they try and raise something on? Because they feel they feel like now you're just trying to sell them something they don't need. Because because if 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 they really needed it, you would have presented them all at first. Yeah. Or, or haven't you seen this before where? All the all the little optional things like the humidifier, or air cleaner, they try and get you to throw it in for free. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Because they see it all broken out and they're like, "Hey, it's only five hundred bucks. He's probably got five hundred dollars of profit on this. Why don't we just go ahead and ask for that, right?" Right. Who, who hasn't heard that before? Are you guys out there? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. You know, where customers they they see you put the sub options and they say, "I tell you what, you throw this, this, and this in for free, you got the job." Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard that before? I hate to say, I heard that a lot. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, the bottom line is that, that that's why that, that form never works. The form of packaging that we're talking about is completely different and opposite of that way. Let's talk a little bit about it, Rick. So yeah, when when you build your first option, uh, is is it did you build is the first option the lowest one now or is the, or is the most expensive it's, it's, and the, the most one? it's the most expensive one. I um I put together my options with the most premium equipment, with the best warranties and all the other options all included. We say options. Now let's talk about let's talk about the things that go into it. So first, there's all the equipment, right? right? And then there's other work that touches the equipment, like any kind of piping or or zoning or, like you said, all the additional air air removal stuff or whatever. Or maybe, yeah. maybe a side uh, a water heater, that uh, endless type of water heating system, uh, like a superstore or something like that, right? Correct. Yep. And then you got that I got that kind of thing going. Right. So uh, we're talking about a boiler, and a boiler. I'll I'll pick the most premium boiler. The, you know the highest of uh, efficiency, and and I'll and I'll also um, put in any other um, components, um, all new boiler trim, and now services warranties. So I'll put in there ten years of uh, part warranty, ten year labor warranty, ten years of service warranty. We come out and do the maintenance, and include also a VIP. So anytime they call for service, we'll guarantee them to come, with, you know, within a certain amount of time. Uh-huh. So, so, so it's, it's not just the, um, it's not just that. It's also the, um, the things with the uh, additional service, right? So, so make sure that nothing, right. they can't write a check for anything. That's the right. key thing, right? It's 100 percent covered for 10 years, bumper to bumper, including all maintenance. So bumper to bumper, all maintenance. You can't write a check, not for anything. So, so I've even used that one before, Rick. Where I say, aren't you sick of heating guys trying to size stuff on tune-ups and things like that? Yep. And they go, yeah, I am sick of that. And say, well, in this this one here. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to have that ever happen again because this one, uh, basically everybody is. Uh, uh, you're you're in a situation this one where it's um, it's all everything. So you can't write a check for anything, right? Right. That's good. So so you got your first option is the most expensive one. So so there's two things about this. So see, pack, so first thing you do is list all the things you want to do, right? The kind of boiler, the kind of piping, the kind of. Uh, Zoning, air removal. What else would you say, Rick? I mean, what, I say a water heater. Yeah, like that, or a right? storage kind of tank. And then the services you're talking about were kind of warranty. How, how much? How much are you going to commit to this thing, right? Right. So if you're saying ten years of three three o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve type of service, you're talking about. Right. You can't write a check for anything. There's no. I don't care if you call us at three o'clock in the morning on Fourth of July or Christmas Eve. Uh, you're you're covered. Right. And then you got the. Um, uh, the, the warrant, the uh, maintenance, which is, of course includes the, uh, the 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 plan service agreement for like the same amount of warranty you got, right? So if you got a 10-year warranty, you're going to package up the 10 years of service too. Correct. And then any kind of humidifier pads or filters or additional other products. If you're going to have boiler treatment, then right. what should you do, right? Put included, all included. It's included for 10 years. You can't right. screw around, right? Right. So, so so the first thing to do to make a package is to make a list of all those things, right? Would you say? Right. Is the, you create a list of all the things you're going to include in the finest package. Correct. Now, once you create that list, now you got to create what's called the verbal package, right, Rick? Right. I mean, you have to you have to take all these technical things, and you've got to wrap them up into something that people can understand what it is, right? Without having to bore them and turning it into a three-hour presentation. Right, and that and that's very very important. Uh, for example, with I'm going to use air conditioning. You know, I until very recently, you know. It took me a while to get weaned off how I used to do it to do it because I was stuck on certain things. For instance, uh-huh. you know, um, uh, fair ratings and that type of thing. 
And now I don't list any numbers or series or BTUs or anything on the proposals at all now or on, on the presentations. It's just premium, deluxe, or standard. Uh, uh-huh. Because our customers don't care about numbers and series. And all it does is raise issues where they feel they have to compare now with everybody else if he's talking about, well, oh, I wonder what the other guy's CR rating was or this or this and that. It just opens up a whole other can of worms. So it's very just in words that they can understand without causing me more obstacles. I'm not creating my own obstacles. You know what I mean? Yeah, because when you start putting too technical information in there, it gets people to ask more questions about what's, what's the difference between 102,000 or 98,000 BTUs or I mean, this other boiler is 95.6% efficient as opposed to 93.4. Right. And the truth is, there's no it, the equipment and a different size and different applications. The efficiency is not what the manufacturer says it is anyway, is it? Right. Right. So it's always if you put to put a put an air conditioning unit in, you're not going to get even if you sell a 21 sear unit, you're not going to get 21 sear unless it's in the perfect condition with the right air and the variable air speed. And the, yeah, exactly. Variable speed, duct leakage, everything. Right, gonna be right, right. So, so basically, the um, uh, let's talk about so you stack up all these things, and then, and then you create a title for the package, right, Rick? Right. So, what would be a good title for like a top package? I call it, mine the uh, platinum. Now, I'm gonna give you a little hint here, Rick. You might be able to get to pick up this one here. I, I helped out on that job where uh, you know Rick Algar. He, he won that contest to come to our total immersion in uh, in St. Louis, right? And he, he came back and he goes, I'm going to make my first presentation, Joe, and I'm going to call this one my platinum geothermal package, he said. He, he told me. Right. And I said, uh, I said, well, Rick, that's that's interesting to call it that. I said, that's not, that's not bad. I said, but I said, what were these people all about? I mean, tell, tell me the kind of customer that, that, that these people were. I mean, was uh, what's her motivation for doing the geothermal to begin with? And he said, uh, Joe, well, she's really into the ecology. She's into the earth and to save save the earth and to save all the uh to make sure she's not an energy pig it was a real big issue for her uh-huh. and so i said well then don't call it the geothermal package i want you to call this one the new green built new millennium earth friendly package <laughs> and, and so i want you to be able to everybody out there when you create your first package that's going to be the best premium rolls royce package i want you to think about making a custom package title that matches up to what the customer is all about so obviously, obviously, let's say this customer was like like a uh, Republican, right? Mm. I probably wouldn't use the earth-friendly uh, type of thing unless unless he gave me an indication that that was what he was all about. If he told me somehow that uh, this is what's happening, or I, I saw bumper stickers that said, you know, save the earth, uh, you know, uh, you know, use, uh, you, you know, whatever. In some way, he had a bunch of uh, like if something indicated that he was earth-friendly. Then I would use that, or, or something we're indicating. And that's where that's where getting the bond with your customer is really important, isn't it, Rick? Yeah, and that, that that's a whole other level. That's really getting to the. I, I feel like the, if you can really start creating those kind of packages with that kind of information, that puts you in a on I think the upper tier, the highest level. I think. Don't you agree? Well, exactly. Let me tell you what Rick told me. He said, he, I said, because he, he, he said I'm going to call it the premium or the platinum geothermal package right right i said go back there and make make up a new name i said i want every single thing in that package to have some kind of eco-friendly label on it so he, <laughs> so so basically the top package was called the new millennium green built um earth-friendly package right um it had it was, it was a platinum it's called the platinum new millennium green built earth-friendly package it included the most uh it, it, with the air conditioning air conditioning system and the, geo, the geothermal system with the earth-friendly or the Eco-friendly refrigerant, he called it. He had uh, even the air quality system. He called it uh, surgical room uh, uh, green green built uh, air quality package. And he said, he said, why is that going to save the uh, why does that help save energy? He goes, well, if I filter the air properly and you don't restrict the coil, it's going to make the uh, unit work more efficiently. So so everything can be slanted toward a different angle. You ever hear that? Ever with me on that one? How how important it is to kind of make that first. T- Don't you agree, Rick? And, and when Rick when the, when Rick asked her why did you go with this package for eighty eight thousand dollars, she said when you first told me the name of that package, I knew I had to have it. Huh. Now, now guess what she when he made her guess. Now here's 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 how the thing goes. You guys make your first package, you describe the first package. It takes about fifteen minutes to describe that package, and then you just hand the hand the piece of paper with the rest of the options. The, now the other five options aren't the same thing. They're just the first option. Is all the all the things listed, and then the next option is the same as above with, like, say, a five-year warranty instead of a ten-year warranty, and the same third option is same as above, 
with uh, standard refrigerant, right? Th fourth option is same as above with standard refrigerant and a one-year warranty, right? Uh, same, and then the last one is just your basic uh, basic air conditioning and heating system, and the last one's economy system or, or Band-Aid system, he called it. So, so Rick had options from 88000 down to $4,590. Do you believe that? Wow. Now, of course, she she said she wanted to go which, with with which packages. And now, now when Rick asked her to guess. Guess how much she guessed? Thirty thousand. Anybody else want to take a guess out there? Well, I mean, uh, hundred thousand. Okay. What'd you say? Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Well, anybody else take, take a guess? Guess what this lady. Guess what this lady told Rick when uh, she took a guess at it. Anybody else? Go ahead. You got, I got a lot of people online here. I got like twenty people. Seventy-five. Seventy-five. Go ahead. Anybody else? What, what else else hearing? How much? 150. 150. You're almost there. Keep going. Wow. She, she guessed 200,000. Wow. So he sold it. He sold it for 88,000. He left so much money on the table. That was. That's what he said. He goes. He goes. I was. I was happy. I sold it. But then I was like, damn. She guessed 200,000 dollars. I would have. Uh, how, much, how much more was it actually worth? Now, what, what do you think made it worth that much more money? His verbal it. packages, the way he presented it. It was, it was. You know, the, the equipment was the same as everybody else was quoting. The, st the things. I mean, if you ask the other guy if he could do, give me ten years of service, or give me ten years of filters or whatever, don't, don't you think the other guy could have done that too? Yeah. Yeah, but but he wouldn't have had the right package. He would have called it. Oh, just filters and pads and just oh, just a plan service agreement, right? Yeah. He he would have undervalued it. He he would have not labeled. So, don't you? Everybody out there real. Only everybody realized when it, that's that's why packaging is so fun to talk about because the difference between you selling a normal job that maybe you're going to get 5000 for and you selling a job that's going to be 25 30000 is what you call that system. Don't you agree, Rick? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the fact I, that I think that's something I could get better at because I, I, I tend to go platinum plus, platinum, gold plus, gold, silver, bronze. <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, I'll tell you what. Try and do it that way once, where you really hit the nail on the head and you really package it with the right words that the customer is using, that the customer would like to, like to hear, the kind of words they want to hear. Think, just think to yourself before you make your, your packages, what kind of words would this customer would appeal to this customer? You know, would it be about, what's it about? If, if the customer's all about their family and how important their family is to them, well, then I've called that one, this is my, uh, this is my, my, uh, my, my safe family package, or if, if it's all about, uh, the family being safe and uh, that we don't want carbon monoxide occurring on the job. It's like, well, this is our safe family package, we call it. This one has got, uh, I put in the fi firematic, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, shutoff system, and it comes with, uh, you know, emergency fam family protection system. You know, it, it'll protect your family from floods. All right. I, I, I could imagine, too, if someone was really um, concerned with their quality because of ch sick children or grand or, or parents, elderly parents or you know and you you could do something like sterile air system yeah i've used that one before where it's just, that's where i came up with the surgical room air right. quality package right i call it the surgical room air quality package and i use that when i'm selling to senior citizens or people who have severe allergy situations where the kids have severe allergies i call it surgical room air quality meaning right. that we're going to try to get this we're going to try and bring this house up to the to the standards of a clean room if we can I'm going to follow all the guidelines to seal the ductwork and to uh, and to put UV system on the return supply. All, right. all the bulbs and filters and pads are all completely. You can't buy you can't buy anything for the next ten years. We supply them for the next ten years. You're, right. You know what I think too, safe. Joe is. Uh, a lot of times I have people that uh, are complaining about comfort because they have a oversized single stage furnace. Mm -hmm. So instead of me just telling them a platinum package, I could sell them an ultimate comfort. Air evenness package, or even air, even air package, even air it. package, yes, or auto, automatic balancing package, or something like that. You could yeah, call, right? that's yeah. So, so whatever the customer is concerned about, so so give me give me some ideas of what people are really concerned about out there. Do you think people buy boilers and furnaces and air conditioning units for no reason at all? I mean, when's the last time you thought about replacing yours even? Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you could go you could get a better one, but you don't. Right. But, so what's the reason that people? What's the, what's the real reason that people do replace these things? Or why, why do they go into this? You think dependability? Maybe they're having problems, right? Yeah, it could be an issue with that. Anybody else want to uh, jump in? Comfort, Joe. Comfort. I think it's just comfort. Who's that? Craig? Is that Craig? Yeah, man. Craig Rogers. How you doing? Oh my man? God! Yeah, I've got. You meet, Rick, I went oh. to meet a real good friend of mine, Craig Rogers. 
from, yeah, uh, is he from is he from Seattle? Yeah, he's from Oregon. He's from Oregon, Oregon, right? Portland, yeah. Ah, same thing, isn't it? He's, he's, he's almost as famous as you. Yeah, no, I read, I read, I read all about him. I, I listened to his audio the other night. Did you? Yeah, he was uh, one week away from quitting, right? Yeah, maybe even days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're doing like twenty thousand a month. No, I, I, I listened to your, uh, your whole little thing there on the, uh, on the contractorselling.com. So I know all about you, Craig. Okay, well, yeah, well, hopefully it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, good luck. believe it or not, even though. Uh, I think Craig, you get better reviews on the site than Rick does because people believe you more than they do him. <laughs> I don't think anybody believes somebody could sell six million dollars a year. Yeah, well, I believe it, man. I just try to figure out how to do it. I just keep working at it. Well, yeah, it was, it's hanging. That's why. That's why I'm glad you showed up tonight. This way, maybe you can. Uh, maybe this is one of the answers to, to, to listen to somebody who does, or to to just talk about it, right? Well, you know how we were last time you were here, Joe. Uh huh. Now all of our guys are tracking between one and one point five. Oh, that's awesome. So we're getting there. Yeah, that's good. That's Sounds great. Good. And you and you sell almost all Home Depot leads, right, Craig? Um, fifty percent. Fifty percent. That's good. Yeah. Good. Good. Awesome. All right. So uh, we'll go back into this packaging thing and just kind of finish this up a little bit. The the packaging issue is start with, first of all, make sure we're starting out with the highest package first. So build build your. It's called your car in the showroom. Let's talk about our method of packaging and why it's important. The, why do you want to create a high package, Rick, and a low pack? Why is it important to have a, a ghetto well, option? An option that's very good. What, what, well, why, you know, why, why do you got to make sure you don't forget the crappy one? You know, I like uh, exactly how you uh, how you said car in the showroom. You know, when you go into the car dealership, they have the most expensive car in the showroom. So you come in, you look at that, and it's $100,000. Any car they show you after that is going to feel better because it's not $100,000. So, you know, so it's called... What that's called is the law of contrast, right, Rick? Right, exactly. So, so basically, you're starting out with the contrast of the first option, which is extremely expensive, and uh, definitely people can see the difference between that and uh, the lowest option. I mean, don't you think that back in the old days, one of the problems may have been that the options just weren't uh, different enough? Yeah, I, and, and I can say tonight on that call I, went, I was telling about earlier, if I would have went in if the $12,000 as my highest option, his wife would have been talking him out of the $12,000 option into the $7,800 option. But because I started out with twenty two thousand, her job was to talk him out of the twenty two thousand. Right. <laughs> you know. So because so, 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 so the key issue is to build your first package as a package that nobody's going to buy. It's going to be so good that that when you first explain it to people, you're going to say, you know what, John, this first package you're not going to want it because it's too good. It's right. Such a, it's such a premium package that. There's just no way you're going to want this one. I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee you're not going to buy this one. It's just too good. And you tell a customer that, there's two things that are going to happen in their mind, right? One is they go, God, that must be expensive, right? <laughs> or second thing they could think is what? I deserve it. I deserve a good. I deserve something that's too good. I've been buying crap my whole life. Why am I, buy, why am I going to hold? You, isn't that the point, Rick? That Haven't you sold expensive jobs like that to people that um, that never would, you never would have thought it? Oh, absolutely, yes. That they find that that this is the time they're deciding to make the change and to break from the past because in the past they've always gone cheap, right? Right. And uh, now they're like, you know what? I've gone cheap my whole life. How many times have you heard people say that to you, Rick, where they said, you know, I've 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 always done things uh, kind of cheap, but now this time I'm going to go the right way. Right. Yeah. And they they've always regretted it, and now they've they've finally learned the lesson. They're going to buy something more premium. It, don't you think when you sell the people who are like, especially who, who are a little older, especially? Yeah. I think the younger people don't quite. Are you selling to somebody who's 24 years old? It's definitely harder to get them to understand that they could be making a really bad decision right now. That's true. Because I think, don't you think younger people think the time is on their side and that uh, I can afford to make a mistake and still recover? Right. But when you're when you're 50 years old and you're buying a boiler that's going to last 20 years and you'll be seven you'll be 70 years old shopping for a boiler next time or or could be doing it when you're buying when you're 60 years old again, right? Right, and you don't want to be paying for something when you're on a retirement income and a fixed income. You want to buy the better thing now, so that when you are retired, you don't have to worry about have to worry about it. Yeah, it reminds me of the story I had with uh, Tom. Remember Tom Ames? Over, I used to work over there with you guys. Yeah, yep. I, I went out with a call with him one time. With, uh, this probably would made you. I think he might have even made you a believer too on this call. When yeah. First time I went out there, and we went to a lady in Pawtucket who was, you know, just kind of crotchety old lady who was. You know, she she was ninety. She was like well, eighty-two years old. She was, and we offered her the first option of twenty-four thousand dollars to replace her her steam boiler system, and uh, we had we had an option as low as fifty-five hundred bucks, and she 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 said, well, I'd like to go with the twenty-four thousand dollar job, 
the only thing is that I don't got forty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> she thought she thought because she had two little two small boilers down there. They're two uh, sixty thousand BTU steam boilers. She thought that I was gonna I was meaning that we were gonna do twenty four thousand for each one. <laughs> yeah. I, said, I said, well, I said, what would I, what would happen if I told you that 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 this was twenty four thousand was for both boilers? And she goes, we just do that then. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, let me ask you a question. Though. Why are you doing this? I mean, you could go a lot cheaper. You could. Uh, she goes, listen, I'm 82 years old. I don't got. Uh, I, I'm not going to be 92 years old shopping for another boiler 10 years from now. I want this in the last 20 years. Right. And, and I think she's. Tom told me when when he told her it was a 10 year all parts and labor warranty and service. She said, for me, that's like a lifetime warranty. <laughs> <laughs> for her, it's like a lifetime warranty, right? It's funny. And above gets the lifetime warranty. Right. <laughs> So anyway, that's great, that's great stuff. So basically, um, so the first package is going to be so good that uh, it's going to get a no, right? Right, Rick? You don't expect a yes to that first package, do you? No. But every now and then, people fool you, don't they? Yeah, they do. And so sometimes, sometimes you screw up and they actually sell the first package. Right. But you're not supposed to. You're supposed to make that first one just to create contrast. It's like putting a like a car dealership. What they do is they they get the catalog, they buy the the most expensive car, put it in the showroom, they put a sunroof on it, better wheels, better stereo system. And you look at the sticker price, you see something that says 75000 and you ask a guy at the, guy, the the salesperson what that car really costs, he'll tell you it's 95000 <laughs> because they tricked it up. What they did is they tried to make it more expensive so that when you look at the other cars, they look positively cheap. Right. So that's called the law of contrast. That's a law of persuasion that all salespeople could tap into. What never works is to show the Yugo first and then try and say, oh, yeah, we also have Cadillacs, too, on top of it. Because <laughs> right, you'd never buy a Cadillac from a Yugo dealer, would you? No. So, so does everybody out there see how contrary that is, the way of trying to start out low and then trying to sell more on top of that, why that never works? Any comments out there? So what's really cool about starting high and going the other way, <clears throat> instead of adding to, you keep taking away, and they're going, I want that. I yeah, you start take taking away, they're going, wait, let's stay, let's stay at the top one. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't. I want that. <laughs> well, hang on. Let me show you the rest of them. <laughs> and now, when you, of, course when you, of course, Craig, when you start doing that, right, you start. That's called what law is that called? Let me know what law that is. When you start taking, we start uh, start going away from the thing they want. Dissonance. That's called law law scarcity. Yeah, it's, you're creating dissonance. You're creating dissonance because the customer's saying, "I want that good one." Now, most salespeople would just do what? When people say, "I want the best one." Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. You should get the best one. They start selling it again, right? Right. Now, Craig, what would you do if somebody said, "Well, I like that one." I'd ask them if they're sure. You sure? Well, why do you like that one, right? What do you like about it? Are you sure you want to do that? And the customer's like, yeah, I like that one because it's got the better warranty and better pads. So, so who's actually making the presentation? When, when your calls are going good, Craig, who's making the presentation now? They are. Yeah, you, you don't even make a presentation anymore, do you, when, that, when it's going good? No, they're selling me. They're selling you. You're, you're like, I'm, I'm surprised you want that one, Fred. Why do you want that one so much? I mean, why don't you go the cheaper one? The, 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 that, one's, that one's too good. I mean, I could, let's face it, that's a lot of money for that one, right? No, no, no. I like that, Craig. What do you like about it? Well, it's got the ten-year warranty, ten years of service, ten years. I mean, Craig, Craig I want that. That's it. All I right. That's surprising. You got me. <laughs> I never would have thought it, but you know what the heck? We'll go ahead and, we'll go ahead and get a sign up for you then, right? How many times do people choose your uh, one of your top options, Craig, when you're doing it? You know, it's been running about ten, fifteen percent of the time. Top option. How about how about the middle the middle three? What would you say? Middle three is in the seventy percent range. What about you, Rick? What are you finding on this? Yeah, I find that a little less on the top option just because I, I've risen the price so high. Mm-hmm. I'd probably get maybe 5% of the people will buy the top option. But I would say the majority will buy somewhere in middle to middle to upper middle. Right. It, what, what, the reason why people would float to the upper middle or to the lower middle, let's talk about that now. I'm going to talk about that right now that you have to have at least six options. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm putting a number on it. I'm not saying sometimes four, sometimes three. I'm saying, listen, guys. If you're going to do it this way, the way we do it here, you're going to do six options, and that's it. Right? Craig, how many options do you do? Six every time at least. How about yep. you, Rick? Seven, yep. Six, seven. You come up with at least six options. Right. The reason is this. You, when you have six options, you have six different ways of asking for the sale. Now, let's understand how we're doing these options. We're not going to create one option for the equipment and then start adding services on top of it. The top option includes the best services, the best warranty, all the pads and filters and if you want to come out and do some kind of a flushing of the system or some kind of an ad- additive or if you're, if you're a plumber or whatever and you're selling uh, a sprinkler system, then you'd do the RPZ every single year. You wouldn't, you wouldn't – uh, like I had a guy sell me landscaping, and he sold me a $59,000 landscaping package for my house. Of course, he's, he, for the next 10 years, he, he came back and changed all the annual flowers for the next 10 years, included with the price. 
He also did the RPZ on the sprinkler system. And so, so I had no words. I couldn't write a check for 10 years. And so the same with your top option. It's got to be something where they can't write a check for 10 years, no matter what it, no matter what it is. You know, you, you figure now when you now when you figure a warranty like that, uh, Craig or, or or even Rick, do you guys uh, figure it like just sell the manufacturer's warranty, or do you just make your own warranty? How, how, do you, how are you doing that now? No, we we I, I do my, we do our own warranty, and we charge a lot for it. Like that option for the warranties and and the labor would be five thousand dollars more. Yeah, because you want to be able to cover that warranty. Right. You, you know, let's face it. Most heating companies are famous for doing a warranty and then having all kinds of reasons why they can't cover it. Right? Like you didn't get it maintained or you didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, so you take that away. Or, you say, Listen, next or, yeah. years, or, you, or you didn't call us between 9 and 5. Yeah, because that's, that's how most people operate. Oh, yeah, this is only during normal working hours. This is only uh, – let's think of all the ways we try and get out of it, right? Or ho- let's hope they forget about us even. Yeah. You do have a package <laughs> that has that, though. Excuse normal me? working hours warranty. Who has that? There is a package out there that contains that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, there is one that's uh, – we still got that. That's just – we're talking about the top option now, though, right? Right. So the top option is you can't write a check no matter what time of day or night it is. It could be 3 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve or, or 4th of July. We're coming out there, right? So, so you got to ask yourself, what would it take to wake up a service guy nine years from now and get him out there on 4th of July evening? What would it take to do that? What's the money? <laughs> You're right. you you, you got to make sure, like, you got to think to yourself, this isn't going to be one of those BS warranties I sell for, like, I buy one from my manufacturer for like 150 bucks, and I mark it up twice or whatever, and no. sell for 300. No. And we're talking about we're talking about doing something like about 300 to 500 a year to, to figure in as if you had to fix something every single year on the system. Just going to prepackage it for the next 10 years, though. So let's, let's say you want to average 500 dollars a year on your repair. So instead of trying to sell 500 dollars on every call, sell it right now. Sell, sell 5,000 right now on this call. Put it out there in the top option. So 5,000 dollars would be 10 years parts and labor. And then, then whatever your plan service agreement costs, let's say it's 250 bucks, so that'd be 2,500 dollars more for that. Now, just just putting that on top. Now, of course, you don't break out the individual prices, right, Rick? Right. You just package it as one price. Now, here's what I want to make sure everybody knows: you make a real nice title at the top, you list all the options underneath it. Try and stay away from the equipment and the parts. It's just going to be called the Platinum Comfort System, or it's going to be called the Platinum Surgical Air Removal or Air, Air Quality System, or the Platinum Water uh, Water Heating System, something like that. It's not going to be Ream, 40-gallon, 25,000 BTU water heater or whatever, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Don't do any so of that. Do not do any of that stuff. Make sure when you create packages, stay away from specifics. Uh, don't put down the SEER. Put down, instead of SEER, put down highest return on investment. This one is platinum. Rolls-Royce, highest return on investment, right? Lowest cost to operate would be that one, too. You can use that same thing. You can use both both ways. You're verbally, verbally packaging SEER. How about efficiency? That would be lowest cost to operate, right? Right. Lowest cost of ownership, what does that mean? That means the bills are less on this one. Lowest bill, lowest utilities bills. Right. Instead of saying efficiency, so don't say 96.3% efficiency because you're screwing yourself because who knows, somebody else is promising 97.2. Right. Yeah, it's you, not even true, yeah, but they're yeah, saying yeah. it. Yeah, you don't want to get it to a battle of numbers. Right, because if it turns turns into focusing on what the equipment's all about, you're, there's no way you're selling that job for $25,000 or whatever. Right. It's only going to get that kind of money when people are seeing that your services are unique and the way you package it sounds more special. Right. So, so all the things you're listing underneath. So the first one's got the title of the package on top. All the things listed underneath, like the premium system, the premium comfort system, the uh, surgical equipment. Then at the very bottom on the right-hand side, put the price. Because here's what you're going to do. You're going to make sure that you describe the package, and then right before you reveal the price, you're going to hide the price so people can't see the price. So you're going to build the package up, talk about how great that first package is, describe it all. Just as you, you can read it if you want to, or just tell people what it is. Ten-year warranty, I would say, is called a ten-year can't-write-a-check warranty, where for the next ten years, uh, we come out uh, any time, day or night, three o'clock in the morning, Jim, guess what happens when your furnace breaks down? Nine years from now, guess what's going to happen? Now, that's called law of involvement. I ask people a question about what they're, what's going to happen when this things break down, or what's going to happen. Now, in our system, what happens? The, uh, I don't pay anything. Can't write a check. This is completely covered. That's why I told you this is good. It looks like Rolls Royce. Can I give you a credit card? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't give me anything. I can't. Uh, I can't even take a tip. You you would certainly take a little bit of cash from me, though, wouldn't you? Not at all. This is like all inclusive, like, like a Jamaican vacation. I can't. Uh, I can't take any. I can't even take a tip on this on this thing. Wow. You can't, you can't even tip the service guy. It's so good. Wow. Right. And so that's your first option, right? 
sometimes you you never know what you hit the, you hit the nail on the head there with the service. Everybody likes good service. You know that's why you know so many other sales trainers out there spending time on trying to find out exactly what people need and what they want. The truth is, what people really want is not logical at all. What they really want is the best the best thing or the worst thing or something in the middle. They don't really have any. Uh, this takes away all of that stuff about. Uh, finding out. Uh, let's talk about finding out what people really do want and what's, what is important to them. Now, how do you find out what is important? If you want to ask people questions about things you think are wrong, like say, you go, uh, Rick, you go to a Cape Cod home and you know the second floor doesn't cool right in this house. Yeah. If I say to them, um, you know, I'm looking at your system here, you must not have any problem with the, the air going on the second floor. It must be really cold up there in the summer and really nice and warm up there in the in the winter. And they go, well, are you kidding? Of course, it's not cold. It's the hottest room in the house, Rick. Are you crazy? Well, you know what? I really, I noticed that. I just wanted to see if it was important to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you could make that second floor cool, you you got the job. Because nobody, everybody said they couldn't do anything about it. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, see what I can do, right? Yeah, yeah see what I can do. I'm going to take a look at it. See if yeah. we'll come up with something for you. Right. So the first package is really good. You explain the first package just by telling them how, you know, the, this is our platinum new millennium green built system, let's call it. That's our R401 heat pump to a customer who's really important, who really, really wants to see that type of uh, system. And this includes the lowest cost of investment air conditioning system, the Rolls Royce system that's got a uh, 10 year, you could replace it for 10 years and replace the unit, not the compressor. If something goes wrong with it, you get to replace the entire unit. 10 years of service. You know, every year you call for plan service? Well, not anymore. This one. With this system, it's completely included. We call, matter of fact, we call you. And now, also, it's a 10-year can't-write-a-check warranty, which means that for the next 10 years, uh, let's say year nine, something goes wrong at 3 o'clock in the morning, guess what happens? We come out here. It's free of charge. There's nothing, we don't charge you for anything. But all the pads and filters, you know every year how the, how the service guy's trying to set the pads and filters for your humidifier right now? Well, guess what? This is all included. You can't write a check. Even if you smash the thermostat yourself and break it, it's covered, no matter what it is, act of God or anything, we're covering it. But guess what that's going to cost? Now you make them guess. Right, Rick? Yeah, it's going to cost $10,000. Rick, double it. $20,000? No, it's only $17,000. Oh. So now we play a little game right there, right? right? Craig, do you do that now, or how are you doing that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always, you know, I run into once in a while, I have no idea. And I'll say, okay, well, that minivan driver, what would that cost you? You say, bring up, well, how much How much did you buy the minivan for? It'll say 18000 and I'll say, man, I wish I could do it for that. I said, but there's no way. And he's like, well, how much is it? And I said, you got to double that. 36000 Thirty-six grand? And I go, no, oh, I'm just kidding you. It's only twenty two. <laughs> now let's talk about that. What's that what's that? We do a little guessing game on that, right? Now, the, a lot of people undervalue that guessing. Why is that so important, that guessing game? What, what, what does that tell you when somebody guesses too low or guesses too high? Are you asking me? Yeah, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, tell if, us. If, if they guess, if they guess too low, you're, you need to work on your verbal packaging because you're not getting the point across. And if they guess too high, you're doing a good job explaining. You're getting, you're getting through to them at their level, and they're understanding what it is, and they can put a value on it. Otherwise, if they're guessing lower, you aren't doing. You need to work on that. But what I've really found is that women seem to be in tune, man. They really understand how much this stuff is, and I think men sometimes play the game of, yeah, well, you know, maybe it is twenty grand, but I'm gonna lowball him. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they do it on. I know men, like on, on repair calls. I go on a repair call, and I'll package up like a ten-year warranty on a repair. It's cost like thirty-five hundred bucks, and the guy, the guy will say, I don't know, three hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, he just insult me, right. and I'm like, come on, multiply that times like uh, fifteen. <laughs> I had, I had like, one. Forty-five hundred? No, it's only. Yeah, and you know what I do is I make them guess. I, I they'll say no, I'm not gonna guess. I'm like, well, I'm not showing it to you unless you're guessing. You hold it, back, huh? I hold back, and, and it gets them more involved. And then, yeah. if they really insist that they're not going to guess, then I then I then I took how much they paid for their car or something like that. But I found that it's really a way to get them involved in the process if you make them guess. Oh, I, I have no idea. Well, I'm not going to show you unless I make a guess. Just pick any number, make a guess. Yeah, uh, let's, I, I, stop, let's stop right there, Rick. Now, yeah. don't you? I mean, a lot of people will say, "Oh my God, you don't uh, you hold back until you make them guess." Yeah. Now, I don't think I don't think everybody realizes how much. Momentum is going in your favor right now because let's face it, they got all the way to the point where they're going to see the price now, and they're not going to see it. Right. <laughs> it's like going to the it's like going to the ball game, and then just as the first pitch is going to be starting, you they shut the lights off. Right. Right. Wouldn't you be Wouldn't you be pissed if you got got there, you parked the car, you got the kids all settled, you got the hot dogs <laughs> all bought, and now uh, here we go. Oh my God, we got the first pitch is going to be on. Play ball, right? And they got there, all of a sudden lights go off. 
<laughs> There's no way they're not going to want to see that, right? Right. They got to see that. So basically, all the all the momentum is going your favor, and so uh, so people now it does get some people agitated. Craig, do people get sometimes a little bit agitated when you tell them a guess? Sometimes, at times, it's, 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 but you work through it. Ain't no big deal. Yeah, well, getting agitated is nothing bad because the people buy. Understand how do people buy emotionally or logically? Emotionally. Yeah, so so you're not gonna, so people aren't emotional, you're not going to give them the buy. Right. And emotional doesn't always mean they're freaking happy, right? Right. I mean, who's happy they got to spend thirty six thousand dollars or something? So you create a little dissonance and then you get to heal it right away too. Yeah, you're healing the. That's right. You're creating dissonance, that trouble, and that's called law of dissonance, where you create that little trouble, but then you heal it right right away with the different prices and different options, right? Now, now, after you show that price and you get people to guess, and some people guess low or high, you, you try and get them to jump over. It's called it's called leapfrog over whatever I guess. So, if I tell you to guess and my number is, is like fifteen thousand and you guess too high, I tell you just go a little bit more. You're almost there. Let's, let's say they guess twenty-two thousand and it's fifteen thousand. What do you say then? No, no, you double it. Double it? You're talking about Jesus? You're talking about uh, forty-four thousand? No, it's only fifteen thousand, right? And what are you doing there? You, it's called price conditioning, isn't it? Right. That mentally they're going, it's not forty-four thousand. Oh no! Oh no! You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You didn't, Rick Picard. <laughs> right? It's like no, it's not that. Come on, it's only a furnace. It's only fifteen thousand. Right. right. But it makes that twelve thousand dollar one look cheap. Yeah, right. twelve thousand seems like it's uh, positively uh, affordable. <laughs> Where before they were hoping to spend three thousand, right? Right. Now let me ask you a question, though, Craig. Has your perception of what people would pay has changed? Has that changed from what it was when you? Of course, you you don't have a long history of heating and air conditioning in your in your blood, right? You, you're kind of a newcomer to the game, but you 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 were you were probably worn down by customers expecting a lower price sometimes, right? Has your perception of what people would buy things for has that changed? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, they you know, uh, I mean, not too many times I've gone in and and, and they said, oh, you know, well, I got a three thousand dollar budget and they'll spend twenty five grand, so. I, I I don't even pay attention to that. Right. So, Rick, how about you? I, I know I know you had a number. You, when I first met you, you said, "Joe, we're all, everybody else is at 2,500, and we're at 3,500 already. We're already we're already higher." Right. You know? Exactly. And, like, and now not, I am, that's that's a, that's a problem, Rick. You're not you're only a thousand higher. You got to be waiting exactly more than a thousand. Exactly right. Yeah. I I I'm only limited. The price is only limited by my by my own mind. Mm-hmm. And and that's you know see, I'm the opposite of. Of Craig, I, Craig, I've been doing this a long time, and so I had a lot of bad habits or bad thought patterns ingrained in my mind. You know, just because I only make a furnace worth thirty five hundred doesn't mean that's what the customer feels it's worth. Yeah, I think don't, don't you think people who are experienced in this industry are at a huge disadvantage? Right? Yes, I do. I, I think, I think, Craig, Craig, I, I think, I think what you uh, being relatively new. I mean, how many years have you been doing this, Craig? I just finished my first. Your first year, right? And so, yeah. to me, to me, that's a. I mean, let's face it, you picked up a lot. Too. That's that's amazing that you've been. There. I mean, you sound like somebody's been doing it for like 15 years by just talking to you. But but the issue is that um, don't you, don't you? Isn't it's, I, I think that because you have fresh eyes and you don't look at it like, oh, we can only get 1,500 bucks for a furnace. You know, for the last 20 years you haven't been selling that way. Right. You're definitely more open-minded probably than some other people are. I mean, have you found that people who are in the industry, Craig, that you've met are thinking that that's crazy what you're saying? Oh yeah, no, they and it's great. I think it's great. Let them keep thinking that. <laughs> yeah, let them keep no it. problem. That's right, because right, because they, they think they're losing jobs because it's too cheap, and they're really losing them because it's right. not not enough. Well, and I, and, you know, and what I find is I like it took me it took me a year to get fear ratings out of my out of my presentations because just in my head that's so important. How am I going to explain to the customer the different? Yeah, so you know, I, with Craig probably never. Doesn't really. That's probably not as important to him. I found getting BTU brand names and CR ratings out of my. I, it was a gradual thing. I was like, I had to let go. <laughs> you would, yeah, you would, you would let go. I, I'm a, even though you were successful with my system in the first six months, I still, I still saw stuff on there I didn't like, and you're like, I'm just keeping it on there. I'm like, what, <laughs> it was like right, I was, this, I was like a part of the family. I had to let go. It's like a crack, a crack, a crack addict. You right. had to have the BTUs on there and the C, SCER, right? Right, and now it's, it's all gone. It's just I noticed there's a lot less resistance. Well, I tell you, I, I said last time I put a BTU on a uh, proposal was 1998, I think it was. So mm-hmm. so bottom line is that, yeah, that's not not important. It's What's really important is that you did your job and you put the right one in. That's the most important thing. Right. Now, also, let's talk about the lowest system. That's got to be the, it's gotta be so cheap that nobody would buy it, too. So the best system you got to build it so good that hardly anybody would buy it. And the worst one's got to be so crappy and so cruddy 
that nobody would buy it too. So you got to call the Janet trash or something on the bottom <laughs> that's so cruddy, and you got the uh, the best one, the Rolls Royce type of thing on the top, right? Right. The bottom one's like your Band-Aid package, the top one. And then there's ones in the middle. Like Craig is saying, he's got he he has ones that do have a uh, day on a daytime, and that's something you could think about, uh, Rick. Instead mm-hmm. of having you know a full warranty, so even in, in this lower package, it only comes with a regular regular, regular working hours warranty. Right. You know? The truth is, probably they'll still cover it, but nonetheless. You know, in his mind, he thinks that's what it is. You know, right, right, right. And and so the bottom line is that that's that's all good stuff that you're going to take. So the customer, what's what's the communication that the customer has with you as you start lowering price? What do they start seeing is going on with your packages? The value is think value has been taken out of it. You're communicating that every time you make me lower the price, something comes out of it. Something comes out of it. So when the customer says lower your price in the end, they go, Craig, do me a favor and lower your price. Tell you what, take take off a thousand dollars, you got the job. What, what do you say to something like that? Well, then I'll just um, keep... Go ahead, Craig. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, no, go ahead. No, I, I don't even play that game. I mean, $1,000. Uh, you know, are you talking on my cost cutter? Or any of them? On any of them. The customer says, take $1,000 off. What would you well, say? Well, first, I, I want to find out what makes them think that I have $1,000 to take off. You know? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right. And so, so, and so basically, um, also, also telling them that you know, if I take a thousand dollars off, my greatest fear is what that I'm going to have to, take, take out to remove something else from the package. Right. Right. That's what I was kind of getting at. Well, that's all the time we have for tonight. I know this is, we've got some good stuff going there, and I hate to end it so soon, but it is hours up, and uh, we'll continue again next week. We'll, we'll pick up right at that point. Though. I do want to talk about once once make, making the pre- so now we're going to learn how to do packages. The best one at the top, worst one at the bottom. Make the worst one so bad nobody would buy it. Make the best one so good hardly anybody would buy it. And th- three and five and four in the middle. Next week we're going to do a presentation. Show how presentation goes. All right, all right, guys. Great. Good night. Bye. Everybody have a nice one. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Hey, Joe, are you still there?